Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Father, we come before you as your people declaring that you are worthy. That like the saints and the angels and all of the elders and the multitudes upon multitudes who see you seated on your throne, our response is that you are gloriously worthy. Father, forgive us for the times that we have lost sight of that, that our eyes have caught on to lesser things and our hearts so dissatisfied that it's no surprise to us, but you and your grace, by the power of your spirit, draw our eyes back to you. That the most fulfilling, most satisfying thing that we could ever do is to glory in you. This was just a small taste of what awaits, but we pray that that wouldn't be an excuse to not do it now that with our lives, that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted, that truly you would be King Jesus over our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And if there's any kids remaining in the room, you can meet Wilson at the back, and then you guys can make your way down. Amen. Amen. Uh, We are starting a new series of messages today in the uh, book, Letter of Esther. So if you have a Bible or your phone, you can turn, scroll, whatever you want to do to chapter 1. And to help us sort of with the historical context to understand when this is happening, Shayon created a little timeline for y'all. And so, so you can kind of see what's going on. So Israel in Second Samuel is divided into two kingdoms, and then they're taken into exile by Assyria and Babylon, and then Xerxes begins his reign, who's the guy in, in our text, and then Cyrus releases the Jews, so this is in Ezra and Nehemiah, he releases them, am I going the wrong way, shape? my bad, <laughs> follow the line, Mark, yeah, 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 I used to be able to do that in football, but not in this, okay, Persia defeats Babylon, uh, and Egypt, and then Cyrus releases the Jews, so he tells the Jews, because they've been taken in exile, you can go home, but some of them stay, not everybody goes home. And then Xerxes begins his reign, and then the story of Esther fits in between his reign and then the remaining Jews returning home uh, in Ezra and Nehemiah. So it's right in between this time that we get the story of Esther, and the title of the series is just Esther, God working behind the scenes, because we want to get into your mind that God is always working, even if you cannot see it. Now, a big part of uh, sports teams, successful sports teams, is film study. So if you, I know some of you don't watch sports, me and the boys pray for you every day at home, 
that the Lord would open your eyes. Um, but if you ever listen to a, a coach after, they'll always say something like, yeah, we played well today, but we're going to go back and we're going to study the film. And the reason why they say that is because they want to learn the ten- their tendencies, ten- their own tendencies and the tendencies of others. And in this text, what God does is he turns on the film of a king. And he, he sort of rolls the tape for us because God wants us to see some tendencies that we should avoid. But he also wants us to see that this is a king not like God, our king. And so he shows us this. So if you're in Esther 1 and you're ready, say, roll the film. All right, since you asked. Verse 1. These events took place during uh, the days of Aesaurus, who ruled 127 provinces from India to Cush. In those days, the king Aesaurus reigned from his royal throne in the fortress of Susa. He held a feast in the third year of his reign for all his officials and staff, the army of Persia and Medea, the nobles, and the officials from the provinces. He displayed the glorious wealth of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness for all for a total of 180 days. At the end of this time, the king held a week-long banquet. This man loves to party. In the garden courtyard of the royal palace for all the people, from the greatest to the least who were present in the fortress of Susa. White and blue linen, linen hangings were fastened with, uh, with fine white and purple linen cords, the silver rods on marble, columns, gold and silver couches were arranged on a mosaic pavement of red uh, feldspar, I don't know what that is, marble, a mother of pearl and precious stones. Drinks were served in an array of gold goblets with, with, uh, with, with each with a different design. Royal wine flowed freely according to the king's bounty. The drinking was according to the royal decree. There are no restrictions. The king had ordered every wine steward in his household to serve whatever each person wanted. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women of, the, of King Ahasuerus' palace. On the seventh day, when the king was feeling good with wine, meaning he was drunk, Ahasuerus commanded Mehuman, I'm just going to say these names and just say it with confidence, Besta, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagatha, Zathar, Carcass, I wouldn't name your kid that, right? You got a baby on the way. This is not the list to go to. The seven eunuchs who personally served him to bring Queen Vashti before him with her royal crown. He wanted to show off her beauty to the people and the officials because she was very beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command that was delivered by his eunuchs. The king became furious and his anger burned within him. God, we thank you for the word. We pray that as we open it up and as we let you speak, that we would be helped, that we would be encouraged, that we would be transformed, and that your name would be glorified as we look into it and we see how good you are, that you are not like the king we see here, we pray. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 1, we're told that the, the king, that he ruled from India to Cush, now, some people hear that word Kush and they think weed, but that's, or they think, wow, that sounds like a, a made-up name, but it's not a made-up name. This is a real place known today as Northern Sudan, and what this does is it gives me a chance to say something about our Bibles, 
that the, the Bible tells you about real people in real places going through real things. That the, when you open the word of God, that it's not fiction in front of you, that it's true events, that we can actually sit there and trust the word that comes from our king. Now it says he reigned in verse 2 from his throne. You look at it. Now if you have an ESV, it says that he sat. Now sitting, anytime you see that in scripture, it's a sign of something being done, that there is, there is a finish, the work is finished. That's why it says that Jesus now is seated at the right hand of the Father because he has finished his work of salvation. Again, this king is sitting because he's just defeated Egypt and Babylon. And so things are nice. He's feeling good. And so he holds a feast for 180 days, right? There, and, and if you look at the list, right, all the officials, all the nobles, all the bigwigs are there. The bigwigs are there, and there's also big-time self-promotion. When you actually tally up 180 days, it's six months. So for six months, this guy just walks around and says, look at all that I have. Right? If he had an Instagram account, it would be flooded. It would be a lot of these, some of these, one of these. He's just feeling himself. And what he's doing is he's showing off to get praise. He wants them to be in awe. See, he looks powerful, but he's actually desperate. He looks powerful, but he is prideful. Again, I keep telling you, a king not like our king. And here's the thing, though. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Because people do this today. Just turn on your social media accounts. What do you see on there? I'm the best. My life's better than your life. Just showing off. People show off their homes, their bodies, their skills, their mind, their looks, their styles, their connection. Here's who I know. Do you know this person? I'm better than you. Showing off to get praise. When you show off, do you know what you're doing? You're stealing praise from God. And sometimes we put things out, and I'm just saying to you, just stop for a minute and ask yourself, what am I doing here? Because when people show off, do you know what they're saying? I am the greatest, not God. When people show off, they're saying, you should focus on me, not God. Keep your eyes here. But humble believers, they slide away from that. The humble believer says, Lord, I exalt you because you have done wonders. Think about this. God is the one who creates everything out of nothing. God is the one who sustains all things right now. The reason why you woke up is because God looked and said, wake up. God is the one who works wonders. God is the one who defeated Satan. So now he is, he is working from a place of defeat. He has no chance. God is the one who carried you and is carrying you through storms. God is the friend in the valley. God is the one who gave his son to save us from sin. He has worked wonders. And that's why we say, here's my worship, God. Not some of it. All of my worship. Verse 5 says, at the end of this time, the king held a week-long banquet in the garden courtyard. 180 days is not enough of the palace for all the people from the greatest to the least who were present in the fortress of Susa 
White and blue linen hangings were fastened with, with fine white and purple linen cords to silver rods on marble columns. Gold and silver couches were arranged on a mosaic pavement. Verse 7, drinks were served in an array of goblets, each with different design. Royal wine flowed freely according to the king's bounty. The, the drinking was according to the royal decree. There are no restrictions. The, if you notice that the, the first few verses, you're getting a lot of detail about this guy. And it's, you know, you're hearing about his kingdom, about his wealth, and all the author, the narrator is trying to do is show you he's really powerful. That in those times, this guy's a force to be reckoned with. And I reckoned with. And I want you to notice the decree, verse 8. The drinking was according to the royal decree. There are no restrictions. When he makes this decree, he's actually canceling another decree, which was you had to drink whenever the king drank. If he took, if he took a sip, you had to take a sip. But he's like, no, 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 never mind all that. Everybody can just do whatever they want. You know what he's doing? He's trying to get likes. He's trying to get love. He's trying to get loyalty. You're like, how? Say how. Say how. Because he's just getting ready to invade Greece. Remember, historical, right? I, just tried, I messed up the timeline, but I gave it to you. Historical. So he's, he's, his, his uh, kingdom has just gotten bigger, and he's getting ready to expand it. And so he's about to invade another country. And so he brings all of the bigwigs in for 187 days. He brings them in because he says, look at how powerful I am. And if you're on my side, I can reward you. Anyone who takes my side, anyone who's with me is going to benefit from all of this. You know what he's doing? He's manipulating other people into loyalty. It's manipulation. Manipulation is satanic. It's demonic. And I'm going to give you some, tell you some tactics of manipulation because I want us to avoid these things. Here's some manipulation tactics. Cho helped me this week with the grammar. Let's thank God for Cho in the back. <laughs> Playing the victim and distorting facts to protect your reputation and keep people on your side. That's manipulation. Exaggerating the advantages of your preferred choice and downplaying the, the disadvantages. That's manipulation. Showing favoritism to other people because of what they can do for you. Say, that's my... Throwing veiled threats at others so they do what you want. Manipulation. Abuse of power. Here's this one. Cutting people off, sulking, guilt tripping, throwing tantrums, and giving people the cold shoulder to get what you want. Those are all sinful, demonic tactics. And you're like, how do you know it's, how do you know it's satanic? Because if you, go to the, if you go to Genesis 3, what's Satan doing? He's manipulating. He's downplaying things to get them to go in a certain direction. Manipulators are selfish. 
Manipulators are controlling. Manipulators are blind. I want you to know that the king in this text, he's blind. What is it? He's got cucumbers over his eyes. You ever see people with that? The white thing on there? I never, anyway, let me keep going. He cannot see that the way to, that people don't actually become loyal to you, to you truly if you just buy them off. People are, are truly loyal to others when they see the strength of the person's character. That's where true loyalty comes. That's why God has our loyalty and our love. Because we know the strength of his character. God is honest. He never lies to you. God tells you the thing you don't want to hear, but the thing you need to hear. He is honest. And he tells it to you because he plans to help you and walk with you. God never manipulates. God never fails. The king in this text, though, he knows all about failure. Because I remember I told you he's about to invade Greece. Well, he invades Greece. And when he gets there, they get destroyed. And it, 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 the, 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 the battle goes so bad, it takes years for them to recover. And I, I'm, sh- I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand that this is the pattern of every evil empire. They rise... They become prideful, they fall. And so you just think of evil empires that you see today. It's the same pattern. Rise, prideful, fall. Because there's only one king and one kingdom that will stand forever. That is the kingdom of God. Because it's built on truth, justice, and mercy. And the king in who rules that kingdom is a good king. That's why it says God's kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so you're like, God is my king. I want you to understand, you're under a good king. Verse 9 says, Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women of King Ahasuerus' palace. On the seventh day, when the king was feeling good from wine, Ahasuerus commanded Uh, I'm not going to say all the guys' names, his eunuchs, to bring Queen Vashti before him with her royal crown. He wanted to show off her beauty to the people and the officials because she was very beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come. Now, if you got a pen, you should take that pen and circle the word displayed in chapter 4, or if you can do it somehow on your iPhone or whatever it is, and the word show off, draw a line to it to verse 11. You know why? Because in Hebrew, they're the exact same word. See, the author uses this verb because he wants you to understand that this king makes no distinction between displaying his wealth and displaying his wife. I told you it's a king that's not like our king. And what he's trying to do here is exploit her out of self-interest. One preacher said, the command has a disgusting, voyeuristic tone to it. He's trying to explore. He treats his wife like she's one of his possessions. And he ignores the fact that she's a person. It's evil. Living under his leadership 
would be like sitting there holding a viper in your lap. It's dangerous. I hate snakes. It's dangerous to be under this kind of... You know why? Because you you can't trust his judgment. He has great power, but he's unpredictable. You never know what is going to come next. This is a king that is not like our king. God is power. But he uses it perfectly. He uses it consistently. He uses it to help, never to hurt. That's the king you have. And because God wants to help us, he's given us some things to take away, other things to take away from this text. Let me give them to you. When you're doing things for other people, always check your motive. Why am I doing this? Am I trying to manipulate that person into something? Or am I just being, am I just, is this just an act of love? I told you, manipulation is a satanic habit, but it's a habit we can all fall into. And the thing is, when you find yourself there, understand that you're ignoring God's command to love your neighbor. And so we want to avoid it. Here's this next one. Don't let other people exploit you. Nobody knows why she doesn't come. You read Bible commentaries, they're all like, it's because of this, it's because of that. But the, the narrator never says why she doesn't. No one knows why Vashti chooses not to come. Here's what everybody knows, though. What she did was right. How come nobody said amen? What she did was right. Marvin Brenneman said, Vashti's courage must be acknowledged. She defied her king and husband by refusing to shame herself in public. Whatever else may be said of her, she was brave. Let me say it again because it didn't hit you the way it should have. Whatever else may be said of her, she was brave. And God's people said? Doing the right thing takes courage. And here's the thing. If you let people exploit you, they will never stop. Because they think you're weak. Don't let anybody, I'm not, I want to say this to my my sisters in, in, in the church family. Don't let anybody exploit you. Some of, some of you are single and God's going to maybe bring some brothers around. But the first thing to look for is character. And the way they treat you when they're dating is the way they're going to treat you when you get married. And so slow down, look hard, take your time, don't rush. If you're concerned, talk to me or one of the other shepherds. And if we need to tell them, we'll do it. Because we're responsible for you and we take that seriously. Don't let anybody exploit you or use you. And here's the other thing. When you see a person standing up against true exploitation, celebrate them and help them. Because we live in a world where demonic things like this does happen all the time. Doing what's right might alter your life in unexpected ways. Vashti's life is going to get altered. She's going to lose the crown. But here's the thing. Don't let the fact that doing what's right might cost you because when you do what's right, God will reward you. 
And so you step in and trust the Lord with your life. You say, this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it because that's what God says, and this stays in line with the word of God, and I trust God over my life. I trust that if, it's gonna, if something's going to get taken away from me, God's going to be there with me, and he's going to carry me through, so I'm going to do the right thing because that's what it means to follow Jesus. Here's this next one. God works through our actions to accomplish his plan. This is, the, this is called the doctrine of God's providence. Remember I told you that the, the tagline on this series is God working behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. This king's actions, his attempt to exploit his wife, actually tr- triggers a chain reaction that's going to lead to the deliverance of God's people. Karen Jobes said, when we think of redemptive history, We think of the great miracles that display God's power. But these mighty acts of God are linked together through long years of human history by a chain of seemingly insignificant, ordinary events. Sons, you can come up now. God is working behind the scenes. You got to think about this. This pattern that we see here actually is picked up at the cross. You got to think about this. When, what's going on at the cross? They're, they're nailing Jesus, killing Jesus. And then they just go home. There's a bunch of people who are at the bottom of the foot of the cross. They're just gambling. When you look at their actions, they're like, this is insignificant. This means nothing. This has no significance to the rest of the world. But God takes that one evil, wicked act and he uses it for our salvation. You are sitting here. Because 2,000 years ago, God's like, I'm going to work through that to rescue you from sin and change your life and begin the process of transformation and bring you into a kingdom that is going to last forever. God is always working. And so things sometimes, they look like, ah, I don't know, that just, just looks like nothing. You turn on the news and all that kind of stuff and you just kind of move on. But understand that every single thing that's going on in the world, your God is on his throne, seated. And he's saying, I'm going to use that for my glory and for the good of my people. He is sovereign over us and everything that the devil means for evil, God uses that for your good and for his glory. And so he's always, always working behind the scenes there is no king like God our king God turns on this film for you and for me because he's saying look look at how evil and wicked human beings can be I am not like that I am a good king I'm the king you want to be under I am the king that serves you. I am the king that deserves to be exalted in your life. Don't go around praising yourself. God says, praise me. Don't go around looking for people to to sort sort of exalt you. God says, make your life about exalting me because I don't manipulate, I don't lie, and I have all the power, and I use it for good. And so this text, what it should make you do, it should make you look and you say, God, here's my worship, not some of it. All of my worship. Because you're worthy of all of it. Let's stand and pray.
Father, we exalt your name. You are our friend and our king, most holy. God, you are high above us, but in the everyday, you are right here with us. Thank you, God, that in your mercy and in your providence, in your sovereignty, you work through some of the most evil and wicked things in the world to advance your plan to rescue and save your people. God, we thank you that you show us things in the text and scripture that surprise us. You don't hide certain things from us, but you show us things to say, that is not me. God, you are always trying to get us to a place where we have a better, good, and right understanding of you and a right understanding of the way to live. I pray, Father, that having listened to your word, we would have received that. We would see and know you, who you are. And we would have new and fresh perspective on the way to live our lives this week. Help us, we pray. I pray we would sing your praises now because you are worthy, God. We would give you all of our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.